0: Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Oh, there you are. Hello, onliners. Uh, hope you're having a good day. Put in the chat what you're having for brekkie or whatever's happening in your world. That would be good. All right, before I preach this morning, I'm going to give you an update on the new season that we are going into. Some of you are thinking, what is that? Well, let me tell you. At the beginning of 2021, Mark felt his time leading Macquarie had finished. He passed the baton on to me and commissioned me to transition the church to the next generation, the 30 to 50-year-olds. So this is what he heard the Holy Spirit whisper to him. I will now transition my church into the age that is quickly approaching. It needs a different anointing, a different generation and a different insight to take the reins. So this year... Mindy, myself, the board, John and Josie, two apostles from Melbourne, whom some of you have met, have been working with a team of 10, developing their leadership. From these 10 will come the team that will lead and vision the church. We are on track. Good news. This team is forming, they'll be gathering soon, and we will be praying for them at Vision Sunday in February. I will work with the team next year and do a leadership handover. At the beginning of 2024, it is an apostolic team, a team of people who have the fivefold gifting, not necessarily a team of five. It is not a hierarchical model where people expect the pastor to do the ministry. Uh, It is a model where the team equips the church to do the work of the ministry. This creates a church that is like an orchard rather than a single fruit tree. Our church will be led by this generation but we will have, it is a multi-generational church so we will have leaders from every generation. The board, Mark, John, Jossie and myself are also choosing the apostle from within that team who will begin to guide and lead this team next year and into the future. We are taking our time because we are doing a legacy model. It is not a drop the baton and run, which historically doesn't work. We will take the values, the DNA, those we support with global and local mission, our heart for community, authenticity into the new season. These things will not be lost. You might hear less of Mark's 70-year court, courtship story, but I think you're all ready to hear less of that story. Mark and I intend to stay in the church in the role of founding pastors, not to control the leadership team, but more in a grandparent role. We will also be released to spend time investing into senior pastors and leaders throughout the state. It is a different model, but an exciting one. And I am confident that this is the way the Holy Spirit is leading our church. He's calling our church to be wide, broad and deep to be innovative, to be a sending church, mature disciples who can make disciples. That's the call he gave the church. A generational church where one generation can serve and respect each other. A church that will love each other, be devoted to Christ and his mission and still have fun. (laughs) If they stop having fun after I'm going, Mick, get stuck into them. (laughs) so Father we thank you for seasons and God we need your hand on this next year and this change transitions aren't easy but Father we soften our heart and we want to be led by you we don't want to go by the book Holy Spirit you've called your people to be led by you and so give us a Joshua Caleb spirit that will cross over to the other side and let go of old wine skins because the harvest is ready and ripe and there's so many to reach god so we thank you and we love you lord and we look forward to the future in jesus name amen is that good right all right start the clock now <laughs> Three weeks ago, MZ and I went for a holiday. We went to Krakenback, which is halfway between Jindabyne and Threadbow. And as we're climbing out of Jindabyne, it starts to rain and I see that the rain's getting a bit splotchy and I think, yes, it's snow. But Mark thought differently. He started to panic. We had about 16 k's to go and he said, "Ross, watch the temperature, the outside temperature. What's it on? I said, three degrees. He said, if it gets to zero, he said, we're going back to Jindabyne. There'll be black ice, I haven't got snow chains. So he's driving slowly. And at that moment I thought, can I lie to my husband? In my head, I'm just starting to sing, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. <laughs> do, do do Uh And anyway, I'm saying to him, no, I'll drive. I said, I am not going back to Jindabyne. Uh, We are going onward and upward. I said, look, it's not black ice. Black ice melts on the road. Anyway, I, I told him some rubbish that wasn't true. Um, I think a photo's going up there of us arriving. We got there, and um, we had a great time, and we loved the snow. I pretended to be concerned when he was giving me all those instructions, but I was just really excited. Excited. There he is. We arrive, and once we arrive, guess what? He goes, Roz, it's snowing! (laughs) So we're different, aren't we? And, uh, you know, we have different areas of strength in our faith. I go hiking and Mark said, aren't you worried? I'm not worried about spiders or snakes or any of those things. But, you know, I get concerned about finances. Mark's got a great faith in finances. So we all have our weaker areas and our stronger areas. This year, our word was faith. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be doing a theme called finishing with faith. So Jordan, your word was spot on. So let me ask you this question. How is your faith going? Has your faith grown this year? What aspect of God's character did you learn more about and are you more certain of this year? What have you trusted him in in this year and he came through or are you still waiting? What has been a faith battle for you this year? Or right now. What trial has sifted, tested, and strengthened your faith this year? Because that's how faith grows, it is tested. At the beginning of the year, we went through Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. We learnt that some were martyred for their faith, some were stoned for their faith, but some were um, raised from the dead. We learnt that this chapter isn't finished yet. The race isn't over. Abraham, Noah and Moses, they're not here, but they've handed the baton to us. And now is our relay race. And now is our time to run. And our names and your names, I believe, will be added to Hebrews 11 one day. Phil, Sal, Evan, you run the race. But they won't be added to that chapter if you don't finish. And let me tell you something. The enemy goes after your finish line. Last weekend, two of our kids went in a 14K trail run. Uh, We went to cheer them on. Here is a photo of Elle and Dan at the beginning of the race. That's how they looked at the beginning of the race. That's how I look like when I go to the gym. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. That's how we look when we start a project. But I have walked this uh, trail, not run. I don't run. Um, and it's not easy. It's three ks of soft sand. There's mud. It gets narrow. It goes over, over rocks, steep steps, climbing up and down headlands. But it's like our journey of faith. It starts relatively easily, but it's tested on the hills, on the soft sand, in the mud. And when you're thirsty and there's no drink station, and the mountain bikers won't get out of your way, when others take over, you take over, pass you, or you see others drop out of the race. But it's not where you come in the race. You can have a few breaks in the race. It's do you finish the race? I love a good finish line. In fact, I send a hamper to every senior pastor in the state that I personally know who finishes well because I know the endurance and I know what it has taken and not everyone finishes well. He doesn't care, the, the, the enemy doesn't care how you start. Um, he's after your finish line. Uh, he dedicates himself, actually, to your quitting. That's why the younger generation need the older generation. Whatever is making the older generation run well in their last lap, we want Hebrews 12.1 says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for you and me, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. It's perseverance that gets us finishing the race. Perseverance is the non-quitting factor. Perseverance is the reason that why you and I are still here. Perseverance is the thing that the enemy has no answer for. Back to the race. They both finished but Dan looked very different. In fact, Mark couldn't even recognise Dan. He's searching for the same person who started. They finish strong, both of them, but not strong in physical strength, strong in perseverance. We might not... A lot of people don't finish strong in physical strength, but finish strong in perseverance. It's perseverance that gets you and I over the line. In this theme, we're going to be all going to be morning and night. We're going to take all different um, parts, looking at all areas of faith. And my title today is called "All That Matters." We are selling these journals out where you get your coffees, fifteen dollars each. Great journal to journal your faith. All those questions I ask you, you can put in though in those journals story of your faith so grab one of these good christmas present 15 bucks they were 20 bucks at the beginning of the year 15 bucks now wow (laughs) okay here we go you ready galatians 5 says this stand firm paul says then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery mark my words paul I Paul tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised Christ will be of little value a bit of value no value to you at all again I declare to every man or woman who let oh no just man who lets himself be circumcised that he should have thought about that earlier that he is obligated to obey the whole law you Who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This is Paul, Apostle Paul's writing. And he starts strong. Because all through his life, Paul was tormented by the ones that wanted to do keep the regulations and the rules, the circumcised, the ones that wanted to keep the law. And there was a big gulf between the churches he planted and the section of this Christian community, the Jews who had got saved or some of the religious Jews. They wanted to keep dragging all of Paul's disciples who were, knew they were saved by grace. He wanted to drag them Back into religion. The fight was stubborn and bitter. He would plant a church and they would start up behind him as soon as his back was turned and spoil his work. This section to the Galatians is strong because Paul is saying you have to stand in freedom. Don't let anybody bring you back under the commandments. Bring you back under the law. Come out from under the law, he says, Paul is saying, and love. Because love sums up all the commandments. Love God and love one another. He says, It is Christ who has made us free. We didn't make ourselves free. You know, every single human being on the planet serves something. Whoever we worship, whoever we put first, is who we serve. The great thing about Christ is that when we place Christ first, he gives us true freedom. Freedom from ourselves. Freedom from our sin freedom from the power of sin, freedom from shame, guilt, condemnation, and free eventually even from the presence of sin. Circumcision was a symbol of having the right background, doing everything required by religion. And Paul is saying here, if you choose to go down that line, if you try to please God by obeying the commandments, he says Christ has no value to you. You can't have both Jesus and a law relationship with God. He said, this is not an option open to to you or I or to them. The system of grace and the system of law are incompatible. They are non-mergers. Paul is saying, if you embrace the law as your rule of walking with God, you you must let go of Christ. He is no longer your righteousness. Go ahead. Get your own righteousness. Attempt your own righteousness. You'll have to obey over 600 laws. You will no longer be trusting in Jesus for your righteousness. In fact, he says, Paul uses, he said, you will be alienated. Separated. <laughs> That's his words, not my words. Separated from Christ. So his words are strong. Uh, Paul says... So Paul is saying to the Galatians, put all that aside now. Come out from the old wineskin, come out from the tradition, come out from the religion. You know, when Mark um, became a Christian, he was brought up in a very religious church and he had to gradually put all of that aside. It was such a struggle for him in his mindset to think that salvation was a free gift. He went out on about 10 altar calls. He just kept going out on altar calls and all. He just read Ephesians and Galatians and grace over and over again. And that's why he's so passionate about grace. Because it's, it's not about you and I, it's not about what we earned, it's all about him, what he did on the cross. Law creates a I deserve, I'm entitled to, God owes me, I'm better than you mindset. Grace creates an overwhelmed with gratitude. I'm the worst of sinners. God owes me nothing. He has already given me everything in his son mindset. So Paul is saying this, leave that aside and now when you receive Christ, you will be overwhelmed with his love. You will know his forgiveness as far as the east is from the west. You will be filled with his grace and with his power. And you will think, I don't deserve this. My sins are forgiven from yesterday and today and forever. One day he will take me home. I have the spirit of the resurrected Christ in me. He said, and out of this spirit, you will, out of that faith, you will love one another. Um, so what is this love like? Well, there's four words for love. Paul uses the word agape. He says faith, uh, faith will find expression with agape. The four words are this. The first one is eros. That's a romantic love. Then there's storge. It's a family love. And then there's filiae, which is a brotherly love. They're all easy loves they like the feel-good, you know, warm and fuzzy on the inside. You love me. I love you. Love. Paul doesn't use that word. He uses agape. And our culture and language has cheapened the word love. I love hot dogs. I love red chairs. (laughs) I love my car. But let me tell you what agape means. When the word agape is used in the Bible, it refers to a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another highest good. Let me read that again. It refers to a pure, that's no agenda, willful, nothing to do with feelings, sacrificial love, that intentionally desires another's, even if it's your enemy's, highest good. Mother Teresa says this, True love is the love that causes us pain, that hurts and yet brings us joy. That is why we must pray to God and ask him to give us the courage to love. In 1 Corinthians it tells us what love is says God is love but this is the definition. We're going to pause as we go a little bit. Love is patient, think finding a car park at Christmas and kind, think barista who gets your coffee order wrong. Love is not jealous, think the person who got the promotion over you or boastful or proud or rude, think social media. It does not demand its own way, it is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Think think speaking up when someone makes a derogatory mark. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I'm going to give you three brief stories of love, of faith being expressed through Agape. The first is from last week, Sunday night. It looks like Ruth Hodges' answer when she was on the panel. I asked her, I said, Ruth and Kent, what can the Western church learn from the church in Nigeria? I wasn't expecting this answer. She said, forgiveness. We teach our people to forgive. We have children in our homes who have watched their whole families slaughtered by the terrorist group Boko Haram. She said, if they don't forgive, they will be consumed with bitterness and never be able to live a fulfilled life. Happy life. That was her answer. And I had nothing to say after that. We have trouble forgiving a slight misdemeanor, but that is keeping no record of wrongs. The second story comes from Luke seven thirty-six. We see that one of the Pharisees, Simon, is a religious person. He's asked Jesus to a dinner party and a woman with a bad reputation comes in and washes Christ's feet with her tears. She wipes them with her hair and pours perfume on them. When Simon sees this, he's appalled. He's embarrassed that this would happen in his house. He's embarrassed that this woman has even come into his home. and, um, And he thinks, Jesus, if you know who was doing this to you, you would remove yourself or you would say something. Jesus says this to her, Simon, I have something to tell you. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Will Agar pay him more? Simon replied, suppose the one that had the biggest debt. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love for me has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. This woman had such an encounter with Christ and knew her forgiveness, knew she was sinner. She was so grateful for Christ that she poured love onto him. When we really know how much God loves us, we worship. It was messy, but when you know how much God loves you, you worship. She was worshipping him. Religious people are offended by messy worship. Simon was offended, deeply offended. She's doing this while he's having a theological discussion with the other big wigs. These men at the table are not bad men, but they are religious. They have decided this is a certain level I will go with my relationship with God and I will not go any further. They were middle of the roaders. They were on automatic pilot simon is thinking hey jesus you're lucky i showed up i'm from a really good family i obey all the commandments you should see me during the week i deserve i deserve stuff (laughs) i've been coming to church all my life this is just another worship song so familiar It wasn't that she had been forgiven more, it's that Simon didn't recognise how much he needed to be forgiven. He was familiar. Self-righteousness, when we lift up ourselves to look good, creates a limitation, a constraint of worship. And that's why when you're broken, when you're broken, That's why God says, I'm close to the brokenhearted, because when you're brokenhearted and it's messy and all the things and the the self-structure has been stripped away, you worship. You know, church, if you're stagnant in your relationship with God, we're going to sing a song in a minute. And you know why we can't worship or we get stagnant? And there's there's a block of loving him and giving all. Because let me tell you, he doesn't want sacrifice. He wants surrender. And we get surrender by knowing he loved us. We love him because he first loved us. The last story is a quick one. We were at Estabar a few weeks ago. Saw a girl at a table by ourselves. I started, we started chatting. She was from Austria. I went up to pay our bill. And I felt the Holy Spirit said, "Pay her bill." I thought, "Gee, I hope she only just had a coffee." I think I recall seeing food on her plate. I said to the guy, "I'm going to pay for that girl," and he said, "Do you know her?" I said, "No, I just met her." He said, "Well, she had the big breakfast." and she had juice and coffee but I've learnt not to n- let my left hand know what my right hand is doing so in those things you just say shut up left hand right hand pay the, pay the money and uh, he was blown away she didn't say too much but he was blown away and that's just faith it's, let me tell you it's not the big things Mother Teresa says this not all of us can do great things but we can do small things with great love. Love doesn't have to be extraordinary. It just has to be genuine. Love has an eternal echo. When we love others, they encounter the fragrance of Christ. Not only that, but we are transformed because we become like Christ. The enemy wants you to be like a mother that never expresses milk. All the mums in here, we know that, When the milk comes in, you have to express the milk. If you don't express it, it gets toxic, you get infected and you get mastitis. It's a bit like faith expressing itself with love. If you have faith but it gets stuck in your head and you can't express it through agape love, it will get toxic and rotten. You were created with faith in your heart to express